What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. As promised last night, we are here to recap Game 7, and Tom, I said it with a lot of certitude. Boston's winning. Boston's winning. Uh, they didn't win, and they got smoked, and the Heat are moving on to the NBA Finals. Yeah, uh, you tried to give me credit over text, but I take that back. Um, I, I was too wishy-washy to take the credit. And, yeah, I mean, it was... Miami did what they had to do to win, and Boston just didn't. They just, outside of, I'm, I'm going to give Derek White a little bit of credit just from watching that game, but outside of that, everybody else pretty much sucked. Derek White was definitely the most aggressive. Um, I think the, the obvious story of this series for them, and we talked about it at length in Game 6, even though they were able to be bailed out by White, their three-point shooting was absolutely god-awful. I mean, and they're taking bad threes, too. I mean, Brown deserves a lot of shit. I think we should spend some time on him. Hell yeah. But just collectively, man. I mean, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Yeah, and that, that's pretty much what they... I was listening on the radio for the first quarter, and that's that's what they said on the radio. One of the hosts there was like, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. And I was like, ooh, that's harsh, but true. Um, yeah, and I mean, Jalen Brown, you mentioned, if you just want to jump right into it, it's, it's even more than the threes. He just fucking sucked in this game, and he has sucked the last couple of games. Um, I mean, I think he had, he, had a, he had three turnovers in the first half. I think he had four to six in the game total and it's like the he guy can't eight. he had eight jesus christ i mean the guy can't even fucking dribble the, if he dribbles more than twice it's a turnover like almost guaranteed he was just awful he couldn't do anything and he was a sieve defensively as well whoever they put him on whether it be jimmy butler gabe vincent or Caleb martin or even duncan robinson every single player on that team that he guarded made him pay um he just Caleb martin looked like the second team all nba or and he looked like Caleb martin <laughs> this was the Caleb martin series man i mean honestly i every shot i saw him take in this series went in. I think there was like two that but didn't it's go also, in. It's I had not to just rewind that. my TV to make sure that it actually was, in fact, a miss. It, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not just the shooting. I mean, of course, that's going to stand out with the points, but it was the passing, it was the aggressiveness on defense, and it was the rebounding as well. He had – he I, I don't know who won because I turned the game off right away and had to get the cats who were riled up uh, quiet so that we could record this, but I'm going to assume Jimmy Butler won MVP. But he Caleb did. Martin should have won MVP, in my opinion. Agreed with you 100%. Yeah, Butler got the got the award, but this is this was Caleb Martin. They don't win this game. Again, Jimmy Butler... It wasn't Butler, just this def- game, either. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to give Caleb Martin his due. It was the whole series. It was the whole series, but let's not forget, I mean, prior to uh, this game starting, they he was also part of the responsibility of being the team that went down uh, after being up 3-0 and losing a series. So he did play very well. It certainly wouldn't have been on him. But I wanted to pin- pinpoint tonight, you know, specifically, because he hit some shots, man, that just you could see it just pierced the heart of the Celtics. I mean, they're trying to make these little bit of runs. They finally hit their first three after starting off 0-11. Al Horford finally oh, hit 12. Oh, 12. It goes right back down the floor, and Martin hits one. And I'm like, these are those are those gut punches that yeah. it's just hard to get back from, man. Yeah, and you know, we talked about it, and basically what we needed the Celtics to do, the Heat did. Um, I mean, they had huge games from pretty much everybody that's important on that team contributed, point blank, period. A hundred percent. This was the version of the team that we saw 
in the first couple rounds of the postseason and the, the first three games of this series. Um, and I got to give them a lot of credit because they they were not, you know, waffling. They were not like sounding any less confident that you saw the report to this morning that said they already booked a flight from Boston to Denver this morning. Like this team, they had confidence and they were unflappable. I give them a shit ton of credit for taking the commercial. What's that? Do they fly commercial or were they just saying that for, for dramatic? No, I mean, maybe they, they charter a jet. I would assume so as well. Like all professional teams, but it said there was Except a the bunch athletics. of, well, like coach. I said, most like I said, most professional teams. Um, <laughs> uh, it said this morning there was a bunch of reports saying that they they already had their flight ready to go to Denver from Boston. So all right, well they're that. ready to go and they will be going. So that wasn't a waste of time. Um, yeah, they just grabbed this game by the balls. They really did. And and I mean, with that kind of effort, the Celtics just stood no chance. I mean, Smart was trash. Horford banged in a couple threes, but there was really nothing there. And, and it was really Brown. Because you know what? If you're a second-team All-NBA player, I'm going to go ahead and call you out here. You, you clearly, Tatum is hurt. Quite clearly, he's hurt. And he's still pouring in a few threes and a couple of dunks here and there. And he's doing the best he can, being clearly a wounded duck out there and, and Brown needs to step up and grab this game and grab control as again a second team all NBA guy and he did the opposite he just fell apart completely yeah and and he had I mean it's always easy to pick on this so I'm not trying to be that guy and just take swings below the belt when they're already down but his body language sucked too it really it really looked bad and oh and yeah midway through the third this game was a fucking wrap yeah and it didn't look like he was the kind of guy that was, you know, ready to galvanize his team. And you're right about the two dribbles and turnover. I mean, I, I would never feel comfortable if I was a Celtics fan when he puts the ball on the floor. He can't dribble and he can't go left. I mean, it's no. you talk about Julius Randle frustrating. And, the, and, and, it's, and he knows it, too. It's, it's quite evident because you can see it. I mean, even when he gets the ball, like there was a possession late in the game where it was the momentum could have shifted had the Celtics had a good play. He had the ball at the top of the key, and it's just like hold, hold, jab, step. Well, I can't dribble, so I'm just going to chuck up a three, five feet past the line, and it was a brick. Yep. No, it was, and he and like I said, Shaq actually said it perfectly. He's like, "I'm these dumbass Celtics are making my head hurt." And I'm like, "Yeah, their shot selection was just brutal from the jump." And obviously, Tatum being compromised had a lot to do with it. But I mean, they were just coming off the bus and chucking threes. I'm like, "Dude, you got to be a little more aggressive and maybe dribble drive a little bit." The that only one what again was doing. Well, yeah, we we got to give Derek White credit. He's the only one that tried anything aside from chucking up a bullshit three. I mean, he's the only one that got into the paint at all. I feel like he was the only one I saw at the free throw line, and they barely this both teams barely shot free throws in the first place. Yeah, no, I mean it was there were some tough calls too that were not fouls because um, it was physical down low. I thought the Celtics kind of played their best, honestly, when Rob Williams was out there because again he was really impacting the shots for Miami inside, but I understand that he is limited and doesn't space the floor the way Horford does. But again, we said it about Missoula, man. Okay. Is he the best coach in the world? No. Does he have his fault? Sure. He didn't but lose his game. Su- your superstars have to show up and they just didn't. No point blank. And, and I want to give Tatum the benefit of the doubt because he truly did look hurt out there. Again, if you're in the game, you got to be able to be, 
it's the Derek Jeter adage, right? If you're playing, you're you're healthy or whatever he said. Um, but Jalen Brown, just super disappointed. And for me, kudos to the Heat. Let's talk about the Celtics in the offseason because we will give you guys an NBA Finals preview before Thursday's game. Um, where do you go from here for the Celtics? I think Missoula stays. I, I kind of had a come-to-Jesus moment. Uh, for me, it's more just looking at Smart, Brown, and Grant Williams. The Brown piece is so fascinating to me, especially I, I didn't I don't know if you listened to the whole Simmons Rosillo pod from yesterday, but the last hour they were talking about the new CBA and the tax brackets and aprons and the penalties that you have to pay for going over them. And I found it fascinating. I listened to it this morning and I was like, there's no we're done with the big threes now. You're gonna have to build a big two. And if you have two max, super max contracts on one team, you basically it's impossible to fill out the rest of your roster. And that's what the Celtics are staring dead in the face right now. And again, I look at body language. I Brown just had the worst body language as this game was going through, which is not a trait that I really look for as a co leader. I think Tatum is the alpha. And yeah, together we keep saying how young they are. You've pointed it out a lot, but in basketball years, man, they've been doing this for six years now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, Ta- I think Brown's already got over a hundred playoff games in. So yeah, he is young in age and he's still young in NBA age, but when it comes to game time minutes and real minutes and in, in big games, he's, he's truly a veteran. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting with the CBA thing. I, I'm, I'm like three quarters of the way through that podcast. So they just started talking about it, but you know, the, the cap is going to go up, but the tax is going to go way up as well. So it's kind of confusing to me. Well, basically what it is, is it, it does not incentivize teams to try to build super teams anymore. Um, and with all, having all these super max players, I mean, we Phoenix is another team. They talked about Phoenix a good amount, so I don't want to spoil it for you. But, you know, it's like Booker and Durant the roster kind of is what the roster is unless they get creative with Aiton and Chris Paul and can get some kind of capital and asset package back for the two of them. They're kind of in this position. And I look at Boston, you've mentioned Marcus Smart for, for your team. I think he would make a lot of sense for the Knicks. He'd make a lot of sense for a good amount of teams. They can't really pay anybody else. I mean, a Derek White's going to be expensive for them. Uh, a Malcolm Brogdon type. I know he was hurt in this series, but you know, how are you going to afford Al Horford and Rob Williams and, I mean, I hate to say you've got to break up two top 25 players in the league because I think that's what, obviously, Tatum is probably top 15. But, you know, to say that you got to take Brown away is, is hard to say, especially for maybe Boston fans. But who knows, man? This, this feeling around that team and around Jalen might be a little bit different after this series as opposed to last summer. Yeah, this game spoke volumes, spoke a lot more than just one game. I mean, he, he really... I think he decided his future with the Celtics on this game. He said some weird shit about the city too, which hasn't necessarily been wrong, but it's always had a bad rap. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, I've been to Boston before, but I'm a white guy. So what do I know? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's got a bad history going all the way back to Bill Russell and everything, but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I really Simmons talked about it. again. I'm not trying to plug Simmons's podcast, but we do it enough when we talk NBA because I think they're you know him and Rosilla are probably amongst the best of who you want to listen to. It's non-biased. Wow, the, they're biased. But the, the Kevin the Kevin Durant trade rumors last summer probably pissed him off, and the fact that there was no oh this is fake news and we no would rebuttal. never do that exactly. 
I, I agree completely. Again, I don't think it's all going to be Boston saying that he that they don't want him there anymore. I think it's going to be kind of a mutual parting of ways. Well, you, you saw what Portland's trying to do, right, to appease Lillard and turn themselves into a true contender, and that number three pick is going to be dangled. And if you're a Celtics organization, do you decide that Tatum is the guy? He is the one that's a little bit younger still, too. You can get that third pick and maybe an Anthony Simons or go that direction if you want. Yeah, I guess you get that third pick and you hope that, I mean, Scoot's not a bad player, but I think they would need a Brandon Miller more who I think could be a better Jalen Brown. Yeah, and I hate shitting on him because I still think Jalen Brown is super valuable and, and Great really, player. really good. But, yeah. uh, but it was at the point where, I mean, he's second team All-NBA, but in this series and throughout the playoffs, it was at the point where he couldn't create a shot for himself at all whatsoever. No, no. And, and when he's not comfortable dribbling the basketball, he really is only a spot-up shooter. And if he's not knocking down those shots, it kind of bleeds into his defense a little bit too. And let's give a shout-out to the coaching by by the Heat and the defense by them too because they were not letting him catch where he was comfortable at all. They were making him get the ball way out at the three-point line plenty of times in this game, and and he's basically a negative out there. That's a great point. Um, they've They pointed out on the broadcast too. When the Heat went into the zone, they really gave the Celtics fits, and it was evident. And I that is where I will look at Missoula and be like, we're just never going to adjust to this because well, you have to fault Missoula. As as I have to. Well, you have to fault Missoula, but the other way you're going to break a zone is by hitting three pointers. And and sure, I mean the Celtics sucked ass from three point land. And, but the other thing is is and I will fault Missoula for this. The other way you break a zone is when you miss those threes. You have the heat. The Heat are probably one of the smallest teams in the NBA. And if you can't have Rob Williams and Horford and whoever else in there crashing the boards when they're in a zone and making them pay for that on the offensive rebound side of the ball, then that's coaching. Yeah, no, 100% right. And, you know, you talk about them being small. We saw a good amount of Love and uh, Cody Zeller in this series. We didn't see either of them tonight. No, and it was essentially... Spo out coaching Missoula again, daring him, saying, I'm going to put it in a zone here because you guys are ice cold from three. Obviously, that's not Missoula's fault, but you're not going to have instruct your guys to stay in there and crash the boards. And they didn't. No, 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 they didn't at all. Um, a lot of 50 50 balls again were going Miami's way. Uh, I do want to point out Jimmy Butler, um, you know, obviously not known as a real three point shooter. He only shot seven tonight, he made three. But those were some really big ones too, and I think just he the fact he was willing count. to shoot, yeah, and he was willing to take some too. Where it seemed like the last couple games, he really didn't want to. No, and I mean there was a huge three uh, in the second quarter where the Celtics hit a three, and it looked like the momentum was about to swing, and then Jimmy Butler came down and banged a corner three right away, and it was in rhythm. It looked like he wanted to shoot it, and he knew it was going in, and it was. He's just a dog, man. He is, and also big shout-out to Duncan Robinson because we talked about after Game 6 how he kind of had his Joe Harris moment where it's like, that rattles shooters. If you're not able, if you're the shooter who's known to be the guy that got to make that shot and you miss two that directly lead to your team losing, that can rattle those guys and get in their head. And he comes back tonight, only shoots three of them, but makes two, finishes with 10 points. Um, you know, good good job by him not letting Game 6 rattle him. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, gotta have, gotta be a goldfish when you're a shooter like that or a quarterback or a closer. Um, 
he he was excellent and and I mean you really have to give him a shout out for being just you know put on the put on the corner of the bench almost in the second row there for goddamn what since feels like since the finals back in the bubble and then them being able to pull him out when Hero got hurt and a few other guys got hurt and he was ready he has been ready throughout the playoffs. Shooters are streaky, man. We see it with relievers all the time. You know, backup quarterbacks can sometimes get hot. Yeah, it, it, he was one of those guys where, again, if I think he's in, a, if he's in a different infrastructure and a different organization, I think we saw the last of Duncan Robinson. But with the Heat, Heat culture, man, that thing's still alive and well. You can't question it at this point. I hate, I hate the saying, but I can't deny it. Anybody who tries to deny it now, you're just you're just trying to be a contrarian. Absolutely, man. Um, but again, we said it. We got a finals preview coming up later in the week. I was rooting heavy, by the way. Sometimes you just can't deny it. I just found myself rooting heavy for the Heat. I just did not want another fucking Boston Boston comeback. I was trying to think about it too because I was like, well. In one hand, does the Celtics doing this does that take away from the 04 Red Sox? Because now yeah, we had that argument. Do it I, anymore? We talked about and it. And we so landed on no. Back. It just enhances right. it. Right. Any other exactly. team, it would have taken away from it in professional sports. But another Boston team would have killed us. And then they got Aaron Bleep and Boone. And now they got Caleb Bleep and Martin. <laughs> Add him to the list of Boston villains. And yes, even though we both landed on it the other night, I still was like caught in between sometimes during this game. But I just respect the Heat so much and I love Jimmy Butler. Absolutely. A shout out to Caleb Morton. Again, Simmons mentioned it on his pod, but the guy goes from getting waved. I don't know if they got the brothers confused, but he got waved by the Charlotte Hornets and the only reason why he's even in the league is because Karan Butler and him, I guess, are tight, and he vouched for him. And, and look at him now. I mean, this guy's going to get a big, fat deal somewhere, probably the Knicks. I honestly, honestly, this would be one of those deals that I would be okay with just by the way he's playing in these big games, and we need a wing. Well, there you go. You need a wing, and you need a guy who's not afraid of the moment. Well, welcome to the chat, Caleb Martin. Uh, Hell yeah. This box, this box uh, score also looked so much different than the last three games and so much more reminiscent of the first three games. I mean, balance scoring up and down. I mean, you got 12th from Bam, even though he had a really bad game, he was impactful on the offensive rebound, set up some extra shots, but 10 for Vincent, eight for Struess. Like I said, 10 from Robinson. Uh, Lowry even had seven and a couple of those points were huge. So this was much he more reminiscent of what they were. Yeah. A hundred percent. So good for them. Yeah, and you know what? You're right. The box score doesn't really show up, but Bam Bam did a lot passing, and he did a lot defensively. He struggled offensively a lot in this series. Uh, missed a lot of shots he usually makes. Yeah, and I mean, I think when we look ahead to the series, he's gonna he's gonna find himself in a shit ton of foul trouble dealing with the big. Where's he from? Serbia. That's right. The big Serbian on the other side. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the series. Let's let's digest this. Let's think about things, and then let's go make some stupid bad picks as we've done the rest of the playoffs. I can't wait, but at least let our stupid bad picks be thought out. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just not make the dumb picks now. We'll we'll wait on them. Uh, you ready to talk some PGA quickly before we call it a night and call the let's Memorial Day weekend of 2023 in the books? Back to work tomorrow. About to cry. That's it, man. Yeah, I know. All right, so we have em- Emiliano. Grio winning the Charles Schwab. Um, don't know much about him. Turn 
I think he turned professional in 2015. His highest ranking was 23, and he's got four professional wins. Good for him. Um, yeah, you fucking smoked me this week. I had a good weekend, Michael Kim. Thank you. Yeah, you had an excellent weekend. I I didn't even do the math because once I Googled every single player and figure out where they placed, it just, I mean, shit. Your worst finish was Justin Rose at 12th. Everybody else was in the top 10. Um, It wasn't even fucking worth it for me. I had Tony Finau missing the cut. So the math there alone says that you beat me uh, with Ricky Fowler finishing 6th, Kim finishing 6th, Scotty finishing 3rd. Scotty, never a bad pick, by the way. Good job by you and Rose finishing 12th. Don't even have to mention mine. Uh, So I have a 8-7 lead um, on you. Moving into... The Memorial, we are two weeks away, I guess a little more than two weeks, but as of the when the Memorial tees off, two weeks away from the U.S. Open. The Memorial Tournament is one of those where it's not a major, but it does feel a little bit elevated. Uh, I would throw the Genesis in there. Um, I don't know, a couple other tournaments that I'm forgetting, but those two kind of stand out to me as tournaments where it's like it's almost a major. Yep. Um, so... The big boys, everybody, I think, is going to be showing up to this tournament. So you can you can pick from the big boys here. I did have Harris English on my card, but I decided to cross him out. I like the way he's been playing lately, but I didn't like what I saw from him towards the end there. So I pulled him off. But, Sean, you won, so go ahead. Uh, give us your foursome and your designated winner. Yeah, so this week uh, I'm hoping to just continue the, the good vibes rolling. Yeah, you need to tie it up. Schwab. So uh, I'm going to start with your boy, Patrick Cantlay. Oh, uh, so I'm going to take him again as not a major. And you've convinced me that that he's always a good bet as long as it's not a major. Uh, I got Tyrell Hatton. Uh, I got Sungjae Im. Uh, and I got Scotty again. I just can't go against Scotty, man. And we need to talk about his putting, by the way. It has really, really fallen off. And I think it's a testament to just how fucking good he is. <laughs> well, yeah. The rest of his game. Because... But the fact that he's still finishing third and all these top ten finishes really even in the, the PGA the I yeah. mean we we said it during the PGA when we recapped it last week and we you could probably say it every week if Scotty Scheffler could putt he would never lose yeah no it's 100 percent true no I I completely agree with you give me your designated winner real quick I got Terrell Hatton wow okay he has been he's been kind of bucking his head lately yeah I feel good about the way he's playing golf right now Yep, absolutely. All right, so I've got a foursome here for you. I got Xander Schauffele. I do have Scotty Scheffler as well. I have the guy that should have won it, but then he randomly got diagnosed basically on um, (laughs) walking off of the course with COVID. I don't know if you remember that right before he went out and won the U.S. Open a few years back. That's John Rahm. And then my designated winner for the week. You better believe it. It's my favorite player on earth, Patrick Cantlay. (laughs) <laughs> i this couldn't is... tell if you were using sarcasm or not so i was waiting for you to say max no 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 it, it's it's can't lay this is just right up his alley where it's a it's a it's an important tournament but it's not a major um i'm not positive but i think he's won it before and okay. um I, I just feel good about it yeah i mean dude can't can't i mean he's a safe bet all the time he's, he's always sa- in the even in the majors if you're just looking for like a top 25 he he he's always right there it's just no you doubt. know how i feel he's just he's just never gonna win the big one yeah i mean and he has not 
he has not shown any kind of fortitude in those closing moments of majors to make you think otherwise. But the guy can fucking swing the golf club. He can hit the golf ball. His his whole game is very versatile and sound. Um, again, these are the kind of tournaments where I feel much better about him. Absolutely. And, yes, he has won the Memorial twice. There you go. I had a feeling he won at least once. So I, I do feel good about that pick, and he is my designated winner. Um, so, Sean, anything else? You have a good um, Memorial Day weekend? I had a good Memorial Day weekend, man. Saturday was a good time. Uh, my friends, uh, yesterday it was good to you know close out the day talking with you on the pod, doing Always. a lot of baseball talk. That was a lot of fun. Our Judge Otani debate uh, was great. By the way, the best player in baseball again tonight has two bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Aaron Judge. So that was a lot of fun. And then today I just I started my next uh, certification for uh, my CEUs. So doing that and um, – just getting ready for the week. Well, there you go, man. Yeah, it was a good weekend. The weather was what about amazing. What do you have going on today? Uh, today, um, uh, let's see. I went up, saw my mom for a little bit, and then my cousin and my aunt went to the range, uh, and then we just we just worked on a little short game. So they needed, they needed a lesson. I brought the tripod out. I should be a short game coach. Anything else, don't ask me. But I should be a short game coach. <laughs> that's that's your most confident part of your game right now. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. hundred yards, one hundred and twenty yards and in. Uh, come see me, come, pros. Come see me. What's your favorite club to hit in that rain? Uh, it depends on the shot, man. I mean, it depends on the lie. Depends on a lot. I mean, you know, you got to give me, you got to give me a lie. You got to give me yardage. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going, like, let's say we're taking one ninety to one twenty. 90 to 120, um, I guess if we're just talking a flat lie middle of the fairway, I'm just going to take yeah. a 52 degree, probably three quarter swing. Um, you know, if it's, if, uh, try and, you know, try and land a little short of the pin, get some spin on it. Are you working on like launch angle on a lot of your shots? Like are you trying to get the ball really up there in the air? Yeah, I mean, when, softer landings chipping or? chipping is different than than iron play. I mean, because a lot of the times with my fifty two degree or my sixty, I'm not hitting full swing, so I'm judging it by a lot of things. I'm judging it by the lie, so whether or not the ball is teed up in the grass or whether it's pushed down, that's basically going to tell me whether or not how it's going to come out. If it's if it's put if it's teed up in the grass, it's going to come out a little bit higher, so I know I got to come at it with a little bit bigger of a swing and it's going to land a little softer. If it's down in the grass, I got to forward press my hands a little bit, come at it with a little lower loft swing with not bring the club back less far and finish a little bit lower so I can get it to come in lower, try and two hop stop spin it. Depends on if I have a side hill lie, if the ball's above or below my feet. Uh, it also depends on if the green is sloping towards me or away from me, whether or not I can spin it back, or if it's going to roll past, then I want to land it short. A lot of variables there, Sean. I got. I really got to see the lie. I really enjoy just letting you, just letting you go on that, man, because <laughs> there are so many factors. There's so much going on, and every course is different, and every the shot conditions, is different. and every shot's very different. So it just goes to show, like, listening to you talk about it, you put a lot of thought into into playing well and and you you do get out there a good amount so you're getting your reps in yeah it really just is astounding when you watch these great players it's it's just with all of the variables in play and you just see them do what they're doing it's just it's it's really is i think 
out of all the sports, I have a greater appreciation for the play for the top golfers because it's a game everybody can play. Yeah, you know, uh, but it's like okay, well, Aaron Judge hit the ball, you know, four hundred and twenty feet with a hundred to eighteen exit velo. Like, okay, well, yeah, not not many people can do that. I can't relate to happen. that. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And golf, I mean, it is incredible. And I, I just eat, sleep and breathe it. And, and the thing with these guys is, you know, no matter what situation you put them in, they're going to, they're going to most likely hit a high percentage shot, but it is nice to see. And that's the thing that I like about watching the ESPN plus when you can actually like follow a certain group, because you kind of, and Max Homa said this, you kind of get lost in the sauce because when you watch the, the main broadcast where they're just kind of bouncing around, Every shot, it's just like it, it looks amazing, and then but you got to realize like these guys fuck up too. Yeah, no, they do, and you see it a lot with the the raw emotions. I mean, nobody gets more pissed at himself, obviously, in the history than when you would hear Tiger do it. But uh, Spieth yells at himself a lot too because do, yeah. everything could be so thought out and perfect and the plan right there and you just miss it a little bit and your mechanics go a bit haywire and it's the difference between you're winning a champ winning a you know major or, or a tournament over a weekend or you know finishing out of 10 top 10 it's pretty crazy it is and even for an amateur that's like a 8 17 handicap like myself it's like one day I could go out and shoot an 85 and then I could literally play the next day and shoot 110. And it just, when you're, when you're playing well, you feel like you're never going to play bad again. And when you're playing bad, you, you feel like you're never going to play well again. And, and sometimes it's, it's the most mental game by far and beyond. I mean, I guess you could put baseball up there just because it's, there's so much downtime. There's a lot to think about, but it's, it's really not even close to golf it's crazy and, and and not to mention there's just there's so many different things you have to do in golf like, well and again i think oh yeah go ahead no it's just like hitting hitting like i was trying to explain to my cousin today when we had the tripod out, hitting a 60 degree wedge you know no matter what the situation is is a lot different than going in and hitting a driver and hitting that swing and for me right now i'm just working on my aiming is terrible i don't know why i just step up to the tee and i'll hit a good drive and it'll go right and i'll be like what the fuck and then my friend will point at where my feet are and i'll be like well shit it looked like i was lined up perfectly between that and i just got to get the lower half involved I'm, i'm struggling with that right now but i'm working on it in the range there you go. I mean, you're you definitely are putting a lot of time and attention into it. So, and that's where I do think it's different than baseball. Because again, even if you played it in high school or college, or you're doing a men's league or whatever, like you can't compare what you're doing to the pros. I mean, I think that is why it is so impressive to see guys like Otani do what he does, where he's he, think of all the time he's spending in the cage and watching film on pitchers just to go around and then have to do the same in reverse um and a guy like judge where i mean he's able to hit for a lot of power but also for a very high average and in golf it's like no i you can't relate to that in baseball the the most amateur golfer somebody who's just picking up the game could hit a hole in one can can hit a hole in one and put in the same level of attention as one of the. I mean, I think of my dad. You know, my dad's like I have not gotten any better consistently in my like playing with the amount of time he plays three four days a week, like almost all year round. Well, your dad might have to make a trip down to Greenwich, and we might have to get in the lab. 
You might have to. I mean, that's, and he says it all the time. He's like, it drives me absolutely nuts how I can go out some days and kill it, and then the next day turn around and have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, I'm it's like, the same thing with the pros. And, and, and you know, with basketball, the court's the same size every time. I know baseball has different lengths and everything, but it's still 60 feet, 6 inches. Where in golf, it's like, I mean, even look at the, the U.S. Open. You know, you go from on Thursday where I don't remember the temperature, but I think it was in the high 60s and sunny, and then the next day you're playing the same exact hole, but the yardage is different, the wind is different. The you know you may hit the ball in the same spot, but the, the grass might be different. It might be wet the next day. It's just it's it's so much, it's so much more difficult in my opinion. I would drive myself actually insane trying to play the sport. Yeah, and a lot of people do, including myself. I mean, I think I've broken three or four clubs over my life. But then you look at it and you're like, I, first of all, you you suck. Second of all, you don't do this professionally. These people get paid to do it, and they're given everything for free, and they still have bad days. And right. and, and I just don't have the time. I, I have to go work 50, 60 hours a week. I don't have the time to hit the range for four hours and then play nine holes and then come back and work on short game. I do yeah, it when I can and try and get a little better. Yeah, and that's all you can do, man. But you love it, and it's cool to hear you talk it. Uh because, again, I, it's a sport that I think anybody can put themselves into as opposed to all the other sports we talk about where, no, I will never know what it's like to throw a football like Patrick Mahomes. Ever. Yep. No, absolutely. And it's funny because then there's some people like my cousin Joe that I play with who's a little bit better than me at golf. I, he just he, – he hits the ball straight, and but he doesn't – you know, he, he practices and whatnot, but he doesn't – he doesn't want to talk about, like, I'll be breaking down every single aspect of my shot. And he'll be like, dude, just shut the fuck up and hit the ball. And I'm like, I guess there's different ways to skin a cat, I guess, you know? Yeah. No, it's it definitely is one of those situations where it the mentality, I think, is probably huge. You know, what headspace are you in? And then also, some people can make it sound super, super simple. And others, it's you're dissecting every bit of your swing path and, what clubs you're using and you know, do you need to get fitted again? It's just, there's so much at it. Like I said, I would drive myself nuts. Yeah. And and another big thing is I think people spend money in the wrong spots. And I was guilty of them when I first started out, a new club ain't going to fix your swing practice and and possibly some lessons from somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about. Will. that's just some (laughs) advice to to beginners out there that actually want to take golf serious. Don't go out and buy the fucking million dollar set. Buy the buy go the used route or go the clearance route, get better first, and then figure it out from there. Well, I would like to personally request at some point, especially once the season dies down a little bit, you know, lessons from Tom, little little addition to this golf corner. Let's take what you're doing in in the most recent round you played or out on the range, and, and just talk it out on the pod for everybody. Oh sure, I like, remember I suck. I suck, but still, nonetheless, I, I would I would like to break down a few shots when it slows down. That sounds good to me. Not at eleven forty eight when we both got work tomorrow, but absolutely, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, now is not the time, but let's stash that away. No, for sure. Um, you got anything else going on? Have you started any new shows before we go? A fucking course not. Are you gonna watch that movie uh, Air? I would like to watch that. Yes, it's on Amazon now, so it's just yeah, I know. It's I just make about time for that. making the time. Yeah, well, and the playoffs are are wrapped up about now too. So we've only got the finals to go, and those games are spaced out. Games like three, every like two days. or three days. So yeah, 
So, yeah, that movie is on my is on my list. What about you? Succession ended last night, right? Yeah, I'm I'm watching that with Michaela, which usually takes a little bit longer just so we can get on the same page. So we're about halfway through the season. So no spoilers here. Do you watch Succession? No. I would recommend it. Yeah. Listen, we, we can I'm have done recommending things. every time. As a matter of fact. It has nothing to, and it has nothing to do with it. It's just I'm terrible at committing to starting shows and seeing them through. That's okay. It's a fatal flaw, but we'll we'll make do. How am I doing? I'm doing all right. You're doing you're doing just fine. Uh, I just restarted Eastbound and Down. That shit is That's hilarious. a great show. Yeah. You've seen that one? I, I watched the whole first season, yeah. <sighs> you just disappoint me. <laughs> Dude, the Will Ferrell cameo in that. In oh that my show god. So What's his name? Great. Shelby or something? <laughs> uh what is it? Fuck. It's uh I think it's Shelby or Shelly or something like Ashley, that. No, it's Ashley, Ashley Schaefer. Schaefer. Ashley Schaefer, BMW, yeah. 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 Oh, shit. A whole south. Oh, yeah. He's like, I can feel it in my plums. Yeah, yeah. Oh, feeling all swollen. Now, honestly, that's a fun thing I like to do is go on YouTube and watch the, watch the um, I guess you could call it bloopers or whatever. Where like the outtakes. Yeah, where like it took Danny McBride and what's the black the Daryl from the Office? I forgot his name. It took him like thirty takes to make that one scene because Will Farrell was just making them die. It's it's easily one of the best cameos by a famous actor in a show that I I think that I that I can recall. No doubt about it. And although it was sad to see Steve Carell go in the office, Will Farrell coming in brought it a little bit of fire for a minute. Yeah, and he was only in it for what, like five episodes or six episodes or something? Yeah, it was good, though. Yeah, it was. Will Farrell's an icon. There, actually, I, I did read yesterday that he uh, he want, he's vouching to play Madden in an upcoming movie. Yeah, so. I heard that, too. By the way, before we go, do you want to talk about the Nick Nurse hiring real quick? I guess we should. So Nick Nurse getting hired by the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I guess he had his pick between Phoenix and Philly. And he what chose would you Philly. have done? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess I would probably have gone Phoenix because Same. I think just looking at, A, I, don't, I get to live in Phoenix as opposed to Philly. So right there, I feel like after years in Toronto, I can finally thaw out in the desert. Um but having Booker and Durant is really nice. But again, we talked about the challenges of that roster. It's going to be really fucking difficult, man. It so, is, but I mean, it's at not least like no cakewalk either. I was going to say, it's not like Philly's set up either. I mean, maybe they have, if Harden walks, they have a little more cap flexibility, but they don't have any draft picks to go out and get another star. I personally think I would have taken Phoenix too, gone with the talent and figured it out later. But I mean, I think he'll be successful either way. I think he will be too, but. You know, he's one of these guys that got anointed a, a top coach, and it's very funny how we talk about this. He's only there for five years. I know. And his championship came when Kawhi Leonard was there, which, you know, it's it's going to make a lot of people uh, also highly successful. Also when the Warriors fell apart due to injury. Right. And I don't want to take anything away from Nick Nurse. I think he's an outstanding coach, but, you know, you get somebody like a Budenholter, you know, people can't wait to get rid of him or talk about how lucky – uh, he got to have Giannis bail him out when I'm like, well, he has the same number of championships as Nick Nurse, and everybody's yeah. like, Nick Nurse is the highest commodity. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, I don't He's know. a great coach. That's it. We'll see if Bud gets another job, too. I know the I know um, the Bucks hired someone. 
Yeah, they hired the lead assistant from was it was it Milwaukee staff? I'm not sure, but we, I don't know too much about him, so it wasn't much of a splash hire. So, pretty much, I think Phoenix and Detroit remain for head coaching vacancies thus far. Yeah, I think I, I, I don't think Missoula's out in Boston. No, I think they're gonna hire. Um, I'm not gonna. I don't think Missoula's a bad guy, so I'm not gonna call it a babysitter. But I think they're gonna hire, um, you know, a veteran. We'll just say a veteran to keep it keep it classy. They very much missed Ime and and the way he could weigh into his guys. Hey, they miss Ime. They miss they miss Hardy and they miss the uh, the guy that took the job at was it Iowa State or something like that. They mm-hmm. miss all three of them. Yeah, no, they do. Um, again, though, this is on the superstars. They uh, any any coach that has superstars that don't show up look like a lot worse coaches than they do if their superstars do show up. No doubt about it. All right. I'm going to ask it before we go. I'm just going to slide this in so making sure everybody's on their toes listening until the end so they listen to our little fucking bullshit banter. Who's winning the finals? Denver. I'm right there with you, especially coming off of this fucking knockdown dragout series that the Heat have. And Denver, I think finally we can give them their respect. They're one of the best teams I've seen in, in a little bit. I think we did a great job breaking them down after they won the Western Conference Finals. Um, and two is, it's not even the fact that Miami's just beat up. It's This is as good of a team as probably like they're, this is, I in my opinion, the beginning of a mini dynasty for them. Whoa, bold. So we can talk, we can talk about that uh, when we go into breaking down the series. Yeah, man, I, I could totally see it. Uh, I'm going to root for the Heat just because I want to see Jimmy get it, but my, my head says Denver. And it's funny because I really don't want to root against Denver. I, I kind of really want to. I want to see Jokic win just so people can finally understand how I agree. and they can fucking phenomenally is. I agree, but my fan logic, and this is kind of how I've always been, is I think even if Jokic loses this year, he ha- he's going to have way more chances to get one. And I feel like this is Jimmy's absolute best chance to get one and maybe his last so that's just why i'm rooting for him kind of the same reason why i was rooting hard for phoenix and cp3 because i don't think he's ever got a shot again i think he's done oh man i don't want to go too long i'm just gonna say i root so much harder for jimmy than i would ever root for cp i know you hate Chris him. paul has had his many opportunities and he directly has been the reason several times why his team didn't win so i, I i'm not holding any pity party for him not getting a ring no, you're not wrong. I mean, I think the only way he gets a ring is is a Gary Payton situation. Yep. Where he's kind of just, you know, getting one towards the end there. But, listen, we'll be back soon. We'll be breaking down the finals once once the dust settles a little bit and, and we start to, to see the odds and whatnot and we make our own dumb but our own opinions nonetheless. So everybody enjoy their night and, you know, good luck with the work week, everybody. There you go. I hope everybody enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for letting us entertain you guys for the last couple days, and uh, we'll be back soon this week.